0: Hey guys, this is Abdeswadou and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Well, who saw that one coming? It was a superb performance on Saturday against Liverpool. Fulham tried and allegedly dried, coming very close to all three points in the end. I'm Dylan Shavas, your host today, and I'm joined by Morgan Cowson and Matt Arter to both go over our 2-2 draw of Liverpool and look ahead to Saturday's meeting with Wolverhampton Wanderers. Fulham. How about that then, chaps? Let's start at the very beginning. Going into the game, when you saw the lineup, what did you think? Um, for reference, it was Rodak in goal, obviously. Tete Tosin, Tim Ream, and Anthony Robinson making up the defence. Harrison Reed, and new boy, Joao Palhinha in central defensive midfield, and Cabano, Andreas Pereira, and Bobby Decker Reed made up the three behind talisman Alexander Mitrovic. Morgan, I'll start with you. How uh, how did you feel when you saw the lineup? Confident? No, God, no.
2: No, I think it was uh, anything but confident. I think I saw the line our lineup, I saw their lineup, and I thought anything you know shy of a 4-0 loss, and we'd be doing quite well. Um, nothing against our team. I mean, you know, we all know that Tim Ream, uh, in theory, can't cut it at this level when he's coming up against Salah, Firmino, and what was it, Luis Diaz? Uh, you look at that and go, how is the poor guy going to cope? It turns out really well, and you know there there are line up sort of um yeah it had some sort of players that we knew that would try hard but there's only so much you can put up against a team that has the kind of quality that liverpool have um you know you could build a really nice brick wall it's still not going to stand up to a nuclear bomb now turns out this brick wall did or the nuclear bomb just wasn't very good
1: yeah i agree it sort of gave me sort of similar uh, not vibes, but as such, but sort of you know similar um, feelings that first game we had against Arsenal a couple of seasons ago. It seemed like a very similar line-up to the one that sort of got, got us up. I know with sort of signings like Bernardo and Manor Solomon, who have undeniably a bit more quality than some of the names in the team that started the game against Liverpool. I was I was surprised not to see them start. Stato, what did, what did you make of it?
0: Yeah so contrary to popular belief uh, here at Fulham Focus we are a tad organized so I was aware that I would be on this podcast a few weeks in advance and I saw that oh it's the, it's the Liverpool reaction pod this isn't going to be a terribly positive one oh, how am i going to talk about um, how the season starts next week against wolves or how you know losing 3-0 to liverpool it's not all bad you know it's they're a decent team but Actually, that, that's all gone out the window now. We need to be really positive here. And we need to talk about with the positive that happened, and we start with the starting eleven. I think there was a lot of positivity to, to be had. I think it was quite, it kind of wrote itself a bit. I think you know the defence. You're not gonna, you're probably not gonna start Kevin and Babu um, or Shane Duffy in the first game of the season. I think the only question mark for me was whether it would be Pereira or Kearney. And we went with Pereira in the end, and I think that was a really, really good decision, which we'll talk about later. Um, and yeah, I think it was just a, quite a strong team. But obviously, if you're looking at Liverpool, you're looking at that Liverpool team, we wouldn't have thought there was much of a chance. But wow, were we wrong about that?
1: Yeah, no, we definitely were. And as you say, it was nice to sort of see Marco Silva give, you know, the old guard a chance, but also bring in a few new faces, with you know, Andreas Pereira and uh, who's it? Oh, God. Paulina. Uh, Joao Paulina, of course. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, he, played, he played excellently, I thought. I'm sure we'll come on to that. I want to say quickly just about the atmosphere in the actual ground. I think, you know, the new fans in the Riverside stand coming back, they sort of done wonders for the acoustics, and they've got rid of the clappers as well, which uh, I didn't see coming before the game. Everyone had a nice black and white sort of, uh, I don't know, plastic scarf sort of thing, saying, we are back, which you, we could, we may be able to use in two years. <laughs> We could. Be, I
2: mean, in theory, we could use it in the championship next year if we want.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: In, in theory, in theory, we could use it if we get to the Europa League. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there's always if a, we want to be really positive.
1: Uh, unlimited <laughs> possibilities, really. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the pre-game atmosphere in particular was unbelievable. They played Hey Jude before the before the game. I can't wait to see that come out against Brentford in a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, I the start of the game, I thought we started really, really well. You know, high intensity. And I sort of remember looking at the clock, so uh, it was about five minutes in, and I thought, Jesus Christ, how's only five minutes past? Uh, I don't know if my heart can take another 85 minutes, but it never really, to me, felt like we could get a result until that first goal went in. Uh, how did you feel watching it?
2: Well, I agree that the atmosphere was absolutely amazing. I think it's, uh, you know, no coincidence that the lack of clappers uh, made it even better. But when the team comes out to that kind of atmosphere and they've been told, right, we have to press, we are going to press. And I think we took them by surprise. And that this kind of game, where all the pre-match atmosphere, the sort of like the feel-good factor, all that has, you know, the ability to completely disappear once the away side take hold. And we just went out there and made them look ordinary. You know, we... Probably should have been one up after about five minutes when Mitra had that shot with the, the kind of the toe poke. But to actually keep going like that, and you're right, I agree. It's sort of like five minutes in when we're sort of pressing as hard and as fast all over the pitch as we did. I was like, they're not going to be able to keep this up. They might not be able to keep this up for a whole half. And the fact is, you know, despite the fact that they Liverpool had 71% possession in that first half, which I didn't actually uh, believe when I saw it because I... Swore we had more of the ball, um, you know, sort of or much more than that. And just the way we played was nothing like we played in the championship. I don't think it was because obviously we're playing against, qual- you know, higher quality players, um, you know, best in the Premier League and arguably best, some of the best in the world. So coming out in the way we did, shocking the Liverpool side, because I imagine they thought we were going to sit back a bit more. Um, was just, it was brilliant to watch. It was, yeah, it was absolutely, and it was exhilarating and it kind of got, and it kept the crowd on side. So even when sort of Mitro's goal went in, the crowd was still, you know, still, uh, you know, alive from the uh, from the first minute.
0: It was really good to see that, you know, different style of play. It kind of, in, in past seasons, when we've come up, it's almost like we've tried to stick to what we played in the championship and. That doesn't work because in the championship, um, you know, it's we're one of the best teams in that league. And then in the Premier League, we're far from that. And it shows that bit of naivety that we think we can just play the way we play in the championship. And Silva has immediately picked that up and been like, "No, if we want to survive, we need to play this way. We need to put in these dogged performances. We need to keep up this intensity. We need to be fit. We need to be ready. And to do that from the start against you know one of the best teams in the world." was so encouraging to see I think
1: yeah no you do you say that I think last time in the Premier League under Scott Parker we tried to win games and actually by playing football but with sort of desire and, and character we didn't
2: we didn't try and win games we tried to draw
1: games yeah that we tried to we tried to draw games we tried to draw games sorry I stand corrected there occasionally we'd uh, we'd win when uh, the other team scored less than us sorry that's quite Michael Owen of me there but uh, yeah Mitrovic goal 32nd <laughs> minute Header at the far post rose above Trent Alexander-Arnold, supposedly one of the best right backs in the world. He was he was caught ball watching by the uh, the oncoming Serb. I'd say we deserved to go ahead, didn't we, Stato?
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. You mentioned that chance. One of the best right backs in the world, and he probably is. But if you're going up against a header against Alexander Mitrovic, it doesn't matter if you're the best right back or the best whatever position you're in you're not going to be, you need to be, well, you need to be really, really good to beat Mitrovic in the air. And Trent is not that. And as soon as that cross went in and you saw his Mitra at the back post, you just knew something was going to happen. And it, I, I was watching it on TV. So I, I I was a bit delayed, not because I was watching it on TV, but because I wasn't actually sure if he had gone in. It wasn't until I saw the players running away celebrating. I was like, shit,
2: yeah.
0: we've actually scored. Like it's actually gone in. Like he actually got the head in on replay it was a really good header at a really tight angle to get it past Allison like that and it was re- it was just a really well deserved go I mean it wasn't against the run of play exactly it was more that we were just soaking up that pressure and we were being that intense and then we got that chance and yeah great header great cross from Tete short it did take a little nick but it was still great for him to get the ball in like that and yeah it was just a thoroughly deserved lead to be honest
2: I don't know about you Dylan but where where I was sitting I was in uh, H5 uh, about halfway up, and it took a split second to work out that it had gone in. Mm. Like, it sort of you saw you saw Mitro sort of storming in, coming in for the header, and then it's like I, I don't know, it was like whether it was the angle or whatever that um, I saw it, and even straight on. He uh, it just I wasn't quite sure, and then you see him wheeling off and the crowd in the Putney end uh, jumping
1: up. And it's like
0: fuck, all right, cool. Yeah, it's like shit. shit we've actually scored. Like <laughs> it's actually happened.
1: I had, I had the same. I was, I was sort of about three quarters of the way up in H six, so I was sort of looking at it like, not bird's eye view, but like just diagonally, and I couldn't believe when I saw him wheeling away that we'd actually scored against Liverpool and we were one the up, and we actually had a chance of getting something from the game. It, was, it felt quite surreal. But as soon as I saw him wheel away and the putney end wraps, my head was gone. I was just hugging anyone and everyone who wanted to listen to me shouting about how good Mitrovic was, and then you know, just you're probably in the right place and... to be honest, mate. Yeah, uh, I mean it was just all surreal.
2: I mean, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I mean, um, my initial thought when Mitrovic had gone up, clearly Trent was on the floor, and I'm just thinking, well, Vio, I was going to probably rule that out for something.
0: Yeah, well, it wasn't that there was the pass to Cabano or the alleged foul on Henderson before and it's like oh shit here we go back in the prem mm.
2: tell you what we'll talk about it probably about Henderson had an absolute shocker yeah, <laughs> yeah no he wasn't was, he wasn't great yeah
1: was great to see uh, uh, so when in went in obviously 1-0 up at half time um, one of my mates said to me he, he thought what would hold us back in the second half would be a sort of lack of ability to keep the same performance going across 90 minutes. You know, it's one thing to do it for 45 minutes. It's another thing th- to do it for 90 minutes, that sort of high-pressing, high-intensity performance. And it's another thing to put in that sort of performance across 90 minutes against one of the best teams in the world. Uh, Stato, what did you what did you think about how our chances at half-time?
0: Well, you know, I, I saw at half-time, we were 1-0 up. And like you said, like we, had, we, we were playing with such intensity, there was no way we could have kept it up. And I was like, right... I, I, I'll take a draw at this point like, I, Liverpool are going to come out all guns blazing and you know they, once they score one they'll probably score two and the floodgates will open but in fact what we did see instead was exactly the same intensity in the second half and we carried that on and it was like, it was just such a such a joy to watch. Like all oh, the the midfield, that those three in midfield, absolute engines on them. They just kept running. They kept running. They kept putting those blocks in. They kept cutting out those passes. And there was there was no there was not one sign of us slowing down at all. Either at, you know at the start of the second half or towards the end of the game, there was just it was just, we, were just, we were just weren't slowing down at all.
1: No, I have to I have to admit it was it was quite it was weirdly refreshing in a way. I have to say, sort of watching your team go toe to toe with Liverpool. And not, you know, not sit off. At the same time, I was petrified that they might break at any minute and just score because I still feel like we've just, we've got a a lot more of a solid core than the last few years I've been watching Fulham because I've always felt, you know, our style of play is is prone to conceding goals. But I feel like we were sort of quite resolute at the back at times on Saturday. I thought Tim Ream played excellently, Um, you know, Tosin played well, both fullbacks are amazing and you know, the central defensive midfielders, their performance is, you know, incredible as well. Um, but obviously, you know, all good things come to an end. Darwin Nunes equalising for Liverpool with a sort of back heel flick, which I didn't quite realise that was how he'd scored at the time. But I did think him coming on with Harvey Elliott, who uh, came on to a uh, I don't know, a, rapturous reception. A, a rapturous reception <laughs> from the Fulham crowd. Uh, a, a little bit different. To Fabio Carvalho's rapturous reception. I did think, though, credit to them that they sort of not swung swung the game in their favour, but they did change the game and helped alter the balance a little bit. Um, MORGs, could you see us sort of being able to cling on or even scoring again after Liverpool equalised?
2: Uh, I I was worried that our heads were going to drop because um, obviously it was a yeah, it was a great finish. Um, Liverpool had sort of come
0: well, 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 over. well. Sorry to interrupt yeah. there, but if you actually look at the replays of that mm-hmm. goal, it was a very, very lucky goal because it wasn't him doing a back He actually missed it. It hit Tosin, and it just so happened to hit him while he was in that backhill stance. So it, people were going about how it was a class finish, but it was actually so lucky. It was just really annoying how they just got a little bit of luck for both goals to be fair. And
2: fair enough, right? Okay, so obviously it was a really lucky finish, um, but. I thought you know it would enable us, so it might cause our heads to drop. Liverpool had obviously come out really, uh, really strong in the second half. They were looking for that equaliser, they got it, and you know, no matter how good our performance had been up to that point, you know these players are only human, and some of those Liverpool players sometimes come across as maybe not quite as human. Uh, But the way we reacted, it was—I mean, it wasn't like a. Team from you know the 2018 19 team or the Scott Parker team, they came out and they're like, Well, fuck you, how dare you? We're gonna score again. And you know, obviously Mitro was just he was on a mission in this game, and you know, he fully deserved to get his second goal. I mean, one of the one of the interesting things I kept seeing, once I kept seeing, you know, that we had two uh, what was it three kickoffs, and in each kickoff. Paulinho was taking it, or Pereira and Paulinho were the centre circle. And then Mitro was out on the right wing. And then he was kind of like bombing down. And it was kind of, uh, I haven't really seen that tactic before um, that I can remember. And so that was, that was quite interesting, watching how they were uh, lining up there. But, I mean, his just his overall play in this game, I mean, the least he deserved was a penalty in his second goal. He was incredible. And it was, it was, like, <clears throat> it was like a whole new style of Mitro. I mean, he's still got the pace of a sort of, you know, an oil tanker, but he's strong as one as well, so it works out quite nicely. But I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. In the past, I have to admit, I've, I've watched him and I've I thought I've seen milk milk turn quicker than him. But I thought, you know, the way he spun Virgil Van Dyke and sort of uh, bodied Jordan Henderson in the same sort of move on uh, Saturday was really impressive. I think he looks a lot leaner than last season as well. And you know, by the end of last season, I have to admit, I was a little bit bored of just repeatedly singing his praises but after a sort of eight nine ten week break and I'm refreshed ready to do it all again I thought he was absolutely amazing on Saturday he deserved the goal the second goal it was a penalty wasn't it Stato
0: yeah it definitely was like you know the talk the topic of him being quite a sole player it was quite amusing to see him take on Van Dijk not at the fastest pace you've ever seen. Van Dyke, you know, he goes against the world best. He's gone against the likes of, you know, Sterling, Pacey, Pacey players like that. You said that the world's best, and the would,
2: only player you could come would up with was Sterling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was struggling. I was struggling to think of Pacey players. Um, that's, mess. okay, let's use Messi. I'm sure Van Dyke has been against Messi many times. And Neymar, and Mbappe. There we go, it's coming back to me now. Um, but players of that caliber who are fast and difficult to manage. But then here you've got Alexander Mitrovic running at you, cutting inside, and he gives away such a soft penalty like that. It was just quite—it was quite humorous to see, to be fair. Like, and it definitely was a penalty. Like, it went to VAR, but there was no chance it was getting turned over. You could see that there was clear contact on the leg, which you know by the left of the law is a penalty. And you know, it's not that—I don't want to say we didn't deserve it because we, we did deserve it. But it just kind of came out of nowhere and it was it was kind of what we deserved after, you know, standing our ground for so long and, you know, just bouncing back after we conceded that go.
1: Yeah, no, I I firstly I just say, you know, you describe him as fast and difficult to manage. I think if you adjust the parameters of those words, Abubakar Kamara was fast and quite difficult to manage. Whoa, 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 wait. He's gone now. He, oh, yeah. He, he, no he need was he was that name
2: on it. It's gone. We're not on the Olympiacos podcast. Now, although I think he's been dropped by them already by looks of the <laughs> team sheet. <laughs> but it was a it was a it was a great
1: it was a great uh, it was a great penalty from him. And I just wondered, Morgan, if if he's playing like that against, you know, Virgil, Van Dyke and Liverpool, the Liverpool team as a whole, how good could he be against other other teams, starting with Wolves this weekend? You
2: yeah, know, he could be one of the best strikers in the Premier League this year. He could, you know, not essentially, you know. Who knows if that's kind of he just needed that first game to get going. You know, sort of like if he's now, uh, as I said earlier, is a man a man on a mission this season. Uh, he is a happy man as well, which is the be- the best metro is a happy metro, and yeah, and he's it was you know under Parker um, you know, and all the crap that came before. Sort of, he he wasn't a happy man. And you could tell that, and he's a confident striker. That's only going to sort of, you know, make him more confident. He just needs to keep going because, obviously, Premier League is a much tougher league. He's not going to be scoring 43 goals. He needs to make sure that he at least sort of, you know, keeps a nice steady run on this, his goal scoring. And But on his general play, as Silva says, uh, you know, he keeps repeating. He's so much more than a goal scorer for us. And as long as he's there, you know, making the difference within the team that's going to be so key to our season and if he you know gets 15 or so goals along the way brilliant i think he'll get you know uh, quite a few assists as well or you know goal involvements or whatever you want to call it these days and so i think we're going to be seeing him have such a big impact in this team Um, but he's going to need to be supported in the the goal scoring ranks by the players around him as well
1: definitely I agree I think it's it's like, it's not scary but it's like um, a bit weird when you think how fast what, eighteen months ago he was he was close to um, leaving for Dynamo Moscow wasn't it on a sort of you know 10 million pounds he was cast out of the team by Scott Parker and uh, look at him now he seems like a different players we even the one Scott Parker had or the one even in the championship. He just seems like a, a much more well rounded player, a team player. Uh, he started contributing with assists towards the back end of last season as well. And yeah, I've just I'd be I can't wait to see what's gonna come from him this season. I've got him on my fantasy team and I'm hoping he's gonna score me a fair few points. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do the
2: decent thing and keep him out of my fantasy team because I have that sort of um what's the opposite of a Midas touch? And if um, I put him in there he'll either, you know, just go on a twelve game zero point run or something
1: like that.
0: I will do the same as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's, the le- it's the least we can do.
1: Maybe I can join you making a But for now, I'm going to keep him in. I'll give him the Wolves game to see how he does. Uh, yeah, m- most Salah made it 2 2. Unfortunate to concede, uh, really. It's a bit of a scrappy goal against Stato, but a point against Liverpool is a great result nonetheless, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if there's any like negatives from the game, it's just that. You know, the goals that Liverpool did to, did score were just very scrappy, kind of undeserved goals. I mean, obviously, they're piled on the pressure towards the end there and something had to give eventually. And it was just a diagonal ball over the top. Tosin kind of just scraped it with his head and it he just landed at his feet just perfectly. And what, what can you do there? There's, there's not much you can do. It's just unfortunate and very lucky of Liverpool to score. But then, you know, on the face of it... Getting a two-all draw in the first game of the season against Liverpool—it's—it's it's great. It's awesome. That, you know, that's that's well, anybody would have bit in your hand off for of that result at the start of the day or at the start of the season, or, or even when the first, when, even when the fixtures got released. You know, it's it's a great starting point. It's a great building book for the season, and hopefully, we can just build on that going forward. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great is.
1: base. I mean, I'm I've. They were quite soft goals, but I felt sort of some sort of reassurance that they weren't—they hadn't come from our sort of wrongdoing. Whereas in the past, you know, we've seen all manner of defensive failures and sort of midfield malfunctions that have led to us conceding needless, needless and pointless goals. Um, but I feel like, no, no, you go.
2: The one—the th- one thing about that um, last, well, the second Liverpool goal that was a little bit annoying was clearly there was a lack of communication between Ream and Tosin. See Ream may have not known that Tosin was right behind him, but Tosin should have given him a shout. And given how far he had to stretch for the header, I think if he'd been given the shout, he would have just got out of the way. Um, but again, you sort of these these mistakes happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, isn't it? it? Happened at Coventry away as well, I think, and Coventry at home. There was sort of a. Some mis miscommunication problems, but I think it's just one of those things that happens from time to time. But still, a point against Liverpool is is great. And I feel like um Joel Palinia, one of the you know, debutants signed from Sporting Lisbon in the summer. I think he looked absolutely immense on um on Saturday. I you know, I don't really remember him sort of losing losing a ball, really. I thought it was incredible. Uh, any any of the other debut debutants impress you or just Palinia Stato?
0: I want, to, I want to. I do want to give a shout. Pelinho was excellent, of course, but I do want to give a shout out to Andreas Pereira. Now, you know, at no point am I saying that he is better than Fabio Carvalho because Fabio Carvalho is a very special talent who did excellent for us in the championship, and he's going to go on to do great, great things. But in this system that we're playing, and in the Premier League, this is obviously based off one game. So you know, come a few months, we might be wildly wrong here. Pereira just seems to be a better fit for this because he was playing in that kind of number 10 almost second striker role the role that Carvalho would have played had we kept hold of him but Pereira was just he was more better for this game and potentially better for the rest of the season in that he's just got more he's got more bite to him he's more aggressive he'll chase down those balls he's, he's He's like, you know, if, if you're the opposition team, he's just like a little rat bag of a player who will just keep running at you and, you know, we'll hound the defence and we'll get the ball off. Because, you know, what we did really well, we won the ball up in high areas you know, when the defence had it and that was partly down to Pereira just running at them. And he was just full of energy and he has that physicality which Cavalier maybe didn't have. And if he can keep that up and if we continue to play this way, he could be a real, really, really good asset for this team, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Morgs, would you sort of say that, you know, he's come from Manchester United, so he's got the sort of Premier League experience. He's played a fair few games, scored a great goal against Brentford last pre season. Uh, but do you sort of think he could benefit from playing at a club, you know, like Fulham, where the pressure is not on him? Because at Man United, you know, the pressure to perform and win every game, even if they seem to lose half of them nowadays. Um, but yeah, do you think he can benefit from playing slightly out of the, more out of the spotlight?
2: I think so. I think. Um... He's got undeniable talent. Um, obviously, his nickname with the Man U fans is preseason Pirlo. And my one hope with him is that he builds on the performance from Saturday and continues to build over the season uh, rather than kind of what I, when we signed him, I was like, is this one of those players that's going to sort of look really bright up until the World Cup break and then come back, the weather's crap. The pitches are a little bit heavier, well, not so much in the Premier League maybe, but you know, just not the right conditions for him as a person, as a player. But I really think that you know what we're seeing there is a very talented player and I think as long as Silver manages him in a way, keeps him motivated. And you're right, I think not having the pressure of being a Man U player might actually do him good. And I think it actually does a lot of players of that sort of level good. Thing think Man U itself seems to be quite a toxic club to be around at the moment. And there, whereas Fulham is, there's a lot of good feeling. I mean, obviously there's been a few things in preseason, but, you know, there's, you know, we're a much more positive, smaller club. And, you know, this is why Mitro likes it, I think, because he's happy. He's, you know, loved by the small, this core of fans. Um, and, don't put a huge amount of pressure on him he just gets to do what he enjoys so hopefully Pereira will be somewhat in the same mould
1: yeah I, I, I hope I hope we're going to see sort of you know the consistency of performances like you talked about hopefully we can sort of I think Marco Silva might be able to nurture him into sort of a bit more you know at home his talents a bit and um, hopefully he can sort of become that Carvalho replacement we're sort of crying out for but I mean thinking
2: about sort of other players from there I mean obviously debutants wise we only had two playing uh, well two starting um, you know we had I mean Harrison Reed. again I mean we know what he's like as a player he's he's a tenacious midfielder and he showed it again and I really hope he can stay fit this season because I think he's going to be incredibly important and I think him and Paulinha in that um, you know the defensive midfield roles are going to be absolutely integral to our solidity and our sort of you know our ability to sort of ground out results because whilst that game, you know, had all the excitement of the first game of the season, we got a great result, there are going to be games, you know, in November, in February and stuff, which, you know, are winnable games that we go and lose because they're not, you know, we haven't got enough grip.
1: Mm, yeah, there's definitely going to be uglier performances, aren't there? And uh, sort of, you know, ones where it's, it's wet and it's cold. the and- Maybe it's an away game or something like that, where you just got to dig in and get the points. And I feel like you know, the little and large combination in the centre of the park could be uh, essential for that. Stato, just quickly, I want to get your thoughts on uh, Jürgen Klopp's comments at the end of the game about the uh, the dry pitch, which I saw being watered uh, both before the game and at half time. That seems just to be a sort of random excuse generator coming from him, doesn't it?
0: Uh, it's it's what he does. He he doesn't get the result he wants and. He throws his toys out of his pl- out of his pram and he just throws up any odd excuse. Today today, well, this game was the pitch. The next game he doesn't get a result, will be something else. Um, it's a tactic that he uses, you know, he has, it's all about this kind of elite mentality of a club he has, that he doesn't like to shift the blame. When he's talking to the media, he doesn't like to shift the blame to his players. He likes to, you know, deflect it to an external, you know, locus of control. And in this case it was our dry I'm using my uh, Fingers here to do the old uh,
1: inverted commas, sarcasm,
0: inverted commas. I've got the words there. Inverted commas, um, dry pitch, um, and it wasn't dry. You see, we we saw the sprinklers being on. We do. We it was the normal pitch, pre-pitch preparation, and big up the Fulham media team for you know taking the piss out of him the next day.
1: Mm, yeah, I just thought it's you know. He's one of those serial moaners, isn't he? You know, he so for so long about how he couldn't make enough changes and his squad was suffering from, you know, the sort of overexertion in multiple games. And then when he does have the chance to make five subs, he doesn't, which, um, you know, that sort of breeds its own problems. Let's move on to the, uh, the man of the match. I think for me, I'll, I... I don't want to pick Mitrovic again so I'm going to pick Gael Palina I thought you know new league new signing new team I thought he played excellently um, he looked superbly confident won a lot of his duels um, and he just looked like a midfielder the like of which Fulham haven't had for ages I'm trying to think of similar ones we may have had in the past I don't know like Papa Buba Diop was a player in a similar mould maybe he was a little bit before my time. I'm just going off the sort of video clips I've seen. But yeah, I think I'd pick Pelinia. Morgs, who do you go for?
2: Uh, I've got to go Mitro in this. I think, you know, his all-round play, it wasn't just his goal scoring in this game. He just offered so much to the team as well. And there, there's all this talk about sort of, you know, the old school number nines coming back into sort of into fashion. And... I definitely think we've got you know an old school number nine, but if he can do what he was doing, and if he can make you know send you know put Henderson on his ass, and Cruyff turn Van Dijk and Henderson again at the same time, I think you know it was just it was just all round glorious to watch. So I'll give it to him.
1: Stato, what about you?
0: Yeah, it has to go to Mitro. Um, basically, everything that Morg said is everything that was good about him and more, and. If he can keep this up, and if he can, you know, kind of help, like not help us, be the main person that can spearhead us to stay in the Premier League, then you know he'll be immortalized as a Fulham legend. You know, if not, if not, you know he already is, but even more so if he can keep us up with performances like that.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 I just want to say I'm not, not picking Mitrovic. Uh, because I thought he wasn't the best player on the pitch. He was he was a one of, he was one of the best on the pitch. Let's not uh beat around the bush there, but I just thought I thought Polinia was, was really, really good and, you know, a vital cog in us getting the result, albeit it was Mitrovic who uh, scored the goal. So looking at the sat- next Saturday now, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers away. They're fourteenth in the table. Obviously, you know, can't read too much into it. Two one loss against Leeds, away at Leeds. Uh, last weekend um how would you line up for this game morse unchanged 11 or would you like to see sort of burn leno come in i don't know at this stage if mana solomon is actually fit or not um, but he's one i'd like to see come in if obviously he's fit but i've seen sort of rumors he may have a, a suspected leg injury i don't know if that, that's that been sort of confirmed or there's been any updates uh... Uh, I... uh
0: has been tweeted by peter right oh, no. which is he's good mm. He has he has he has confirmed that there is an injury, but he doesn't know the extent of it. I think it's safe to say he won't be playing on Saturday. Mm. But we don't know if it could be for longer than that. Uh, that's not, exactly. not ideal.
2: Um I think yeah. Someone said there might be karma for not paying Shakhtar or anything. But that's uh Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no. Obviously he won't be playing on Saturday. Um hopefully it's a speedy recovery for him. But in terms of the lineup, I think I think uh, Leno's probably the one player I might bring in, but if Rodak starts, and it's unlikely to say this, but if Rodak starts, I won't be disappointed because clearly Silva's picking them on merit at the moment. If he doesn't think Leno's ready uh, to be brought into the team yet, then I'll trust him. And in terms of the other players, obviously there's a chance that Diop might have signed by then, but again, I wouldn't start him. I would be tempted to uh, bring Shane Duffy in, uh, maybe in place of Ream, but then that's only because I mean I don't know if it's I think I think Duffy is you know a, he's not a fashionable signing, but I think he's going to be a, an important signing over this season, and not just from his um, general play. I think he's you know he's one of those defenders that is purely a defender. And I think we might need that, especially in away games. And I think him and Tosin could potentially be quite a good partnership. Um, but I'm just kind of reading into it from you know what I've seen in various pieces. And I think his, but his general demeanor and his uh, the fact that he's respected, where well, he was respected by Graham Potter, no, no one said a bad word about him, and he's kind of that sort of player that we need in the dressing room. Um, so. Whilst actually, I mean, it would be hard to drop Ream because he has such a good game. But I think if uh, Duffy were to come in for it, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be overly upset about it. But it's it's a tricky one to drop Ream at the moment, especially as he's captain and he he is a proper captain as well. And you know, who would who would get it otherwise? And so, but otherwise, attacking wise, I think you've just got to keep the same team. We played very well. Go out, play the same system. Um, you know, harangue wolves into submission, pretty much.
1: Yeah, no, I sort of, I sort of agree with the Tim Ream point. I wouldn't be averse in being dropped because I feel like there's only so far in this league you're going to get playing a 37 year old at centre back, albeit a good one, but obviously not not to the you're same 37. standard. 37, of... 34, 34. Yeah, I've had it in my head for the last few weeks that he's 37. Don't know where that's come from. Uh, I need to check <laughs> my. Uh... Check wikipedia Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry, sorry, Tim. Uh, only three <laughs> years. To, uh, yeah. For reference, I'm, I'm 24, not 21. Um,
2: hey, you young? Yeah, no, but... yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Um, yeah, no. He's 34. There's only so far you can get paying a 34 centre centre back, you know. Uh, but yeah. I, I, at the same time, I agree. He's he's a captain on the pitch, maybe more so than Tom Tom Kenny in some ways. He's got similar sort of attributes to Mitrovic and sort of the way he leads by example. And he's a, he's a vocal presence in the team, that's for sure. Uh, get some score predictions. Um, I'm going to go for, I think, 1-1. One, one. Wolves have just signed today. Uh, Goncalo Guedes from Valencia. And that's after losing Connor Cody to Everton yesterday. I'm surprised they let go. But I'm told uh, on good authority that's just because of Formation changes by the manager; t- is a tactical decision rather than a sort of anything more more than that.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. That, isn't it? but then apparently, um, Cody's scouts. So, if he's an Everton fan as well, he got that offer, and knowing that he was going to start.
0: Well, you know, he's a lifelong way. Liverpool fan, I believe. Is he? Yeah, which makes it really interesting. He was in Liverpool's
1: academy.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. then. What I know. I mean, I have no idea who that Spanish bloke is that you said about. I mean. Is any good? Portuguese. He's meant, he's meant yeah, yeah. He's Portuguese. Portuguese. He's meant to be an exciting winger. Of course, he's winger. Of
1: Wolves. Uh, oh. yeah. Uh, yeah, Classic, classic Wolves player, an exciting winger. Uh, played for Valencia last season, and uh, I think a few years ago his stock was a bit higher than it is now. As is the case with quite a few players, it seems to end up at Wolves. Uh, but we will see if he if he starts on on the weekend. Just one to one to look out for. Yeah, I'm going to go for one one. I'll go for another Mitrovic goal. Um not not too sure who score for them, but I just can't see us coming away with three points for whatever reason. Yeah, what what are your predictions, you guys?
0: Well, I think we're playing Wolves at quite a good time for us. They they got a really bad loss against Leeds. Well not bad loss, just two one, but it's against the Leeds side that isn't all that at the moment. You know, they've just lost Rafinha and Calvin Phillips you would have expected Wolves to get a win there and they went one no up and you know I thought it'd just be business as usual but they they collapsed a bit and watching the highlights they do look a bit shaky all over the place they you know trying to you know throw away the back five or back three that they've had for so long now and that's been you know a key element in their survival in recent Premier League years and you know to go for a back four which they tried to do either last season or the season before and the last season under Nuno and it failed and they quickly went back to the back five. And they're trying to do it again, you know, which is one of the reasons why Cody left. But they haven't really brought many other reinforcements in You know, they're still relying on a quite an old Giao in midfield. And they've got Jimenez who's out injured. So they haven't really got a real striker up top. And, you know, they've got rid of Roman Sais and Connor Cody. And all they've brought in is that Burnley centre back Nathan Collins, who is quite highly rated, mine, but it's still a young Defender, and you're exchanging this young raw talent for that fast experience of Cody and Saez. So it's a really interesting time to be playing them. And I think for us, we have that momentum of getting a good draw of Liverpool. They're trying to pick up that momentum. Okay, it's their first home game of the season, so Molyneux will be buzzing a bit. But you know, we have a momentum to take into this game, which we have. We don't. We don't. When we've been in the Premier League before in recent seasons we haven't had that momentum and we have that now and I think we can bring it forward and we can actually really you know take it we we can take the game to Wolves here and I think I think we'll get a win I'm going for a 2-1 win I think I think you know it's bold but it's bold you know we need to strike while the iron's hot and we're in (laughs) form it's one game but we are in form which is a rarity in the Premier League and they are not so much in form and we really need to do need to capitalise on that when we can
1: yeah, I think it's the first game since back in the no, first game back in the Premier League since uh, coming up from the Championship that we we haven't lost. I think the first time we came up, we lost against Man United. Obviously, then we lost against Palace under Slavisa, and then Arsenal did us on the first day when Scott Parker was in charge. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a a sort of different start to the season, given that we're not you know close to the bottom of the table come match week two. Uh, Morgan, how do you think we'll fare on Saturday?
2: I think we're going to win three two. I think I'm not convinced on our defending. I think we put uh, you know a lot of um, you know tough tackles in and stuff like that, but I am quite impressed with our attacking prowess, and I think we might be seeing a bit of that this season against some of the teams that you know, we could be looking to compete against. And it could be a lot of uh, almost like Kevin Keegan football at times, if we don't shore up at the back. And so as long as we score more, we'll be alright. So yeah, I'm gonna go three two. Uh Mitrovic to get one and then oh crap predicting goal scores. Uh Bobby Reed and uh Zhao Paulinia, thirty-five yards out, top corner. Um yeah.
1: He's probably trained with half a wolves team, so I can I, 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 <laughs> yes. I the uh, the way to, the, to to their goal. I was gonna ask you actually. Do you think that three will be a Mitrovic hat-trick? Because if if you said yes, I was going to triple-captain him this week, uh, (laughs) but I'm not. Um, Looking ahead to the rest of the fixtures in August, so following the Wolves away game, we've got Brentford at home on the 20th, Arsenal away on the 27th, I think with a Carabao Cup game in between there, and then Brighton at home. How, How many points do you see us getting from these other four games in August? I've gone for five with two draws and a win against Brentford, nothing from Arsenal. But I don't know if I'm being too pessimistic.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we need. To, what this result has given us is hope, and hope is a really dangerous thing in football. It's we've got a joy of Liverpool, and suddenly you know we're going to go out there and we're going to take the Premier League by storm, and we might do that. But at the same time, we're not going to go unbeaten, and we will lose probably more games than we will win. So you know, if we look at this August, it's actually quite a key month for us because there's actually you know. The, the next four or well, four, three out of those four games are potentially winnable games where we can get points. You know, I look at the Wolves game. It's a game we can win. I look at Brentford, definitely a game we can win. Brighton, absolutely a game we should win. And it's about, you know, taking, when you're playing these types of games, and this is what we didn't do before, we, we got those bonus points against those big teams under Scott Park, we got that win against Liverpool, and we got the point against Liverpool. We, we've done that now. But they're the bonus points for a team of our stature any point you get against the top six are the bonus points the core you know meat and potatoes of the Premier League for a team like us are to be winning the games against Brentford against Brighton you know a nice win against Wolves that's, that's a good win to get and you know it's these types of games that we need to get we need to be getting performances so you know this month is a really really big month for us and you know I would like to think we can get at least six to seven points from those games
2: I think that's I think it's fair to say probably around five six you know I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, underestimate Brighton at the moment Um, I think Graham Potter is doing a brilliant job there Um, obviously they showed against Man U that they've uh, you know they can counter pretty well Um, we've got to be very careful of that sort of game Uh, Brentford I mean Brentford at home I mean it's not exactly a game that we win on a regular basis is it so you know, but then Wolves away, you know, confident we get a win there. Uh what was the other one?
1: Uh Arsenal.
2: Arsenal. Yeah, that'd be easy enough, won't it? So that's fine. Uh <laughs> um, Wolf we'll Park. So it's, we'll get we'll get a win this month. I'm just not quite sure I mean, obviously I've said wolves, but you know, I I think we'll pick up five five or six points along the way. Somehow.
1: Perfect. Yeah, no, I, I think that sounds reasonable, and, and it's, it's Fulham. You know, always open to a surprise. We may, we may come out of August top of the league, and if that happens, I don't want to say what I'll do if that happens because it's on Spotify, isn't it? Um, but it would be absolutely incredible. So I guess um, I, I think then that's that's all for this week, guys. Um, Similarly, to how Mitrovic turned away from Van Dyke, it's straight from one game causing towards another now uh, at Molyneux on Saturday. Let's just hope there are members of Water to pitch beforehand. Come on, Fulham, and we shall see you next week.